Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. May I cordially welcome you to the A Burkamp Wonderland podcast. It is a, 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 a Arsenal podcast, or depending on your point of view, the Arsenal podcast. Tonight we have a wonderful show packed to the brim of delight, wonderment, and whatever else you can possibly wish. Glistening on the screens before you are our two esteemed guests, and they're going to do their very best to talk us through whatever shower of shite has been assigned to Arsenal this week. Uh, first off the bat, it's Stan. Stan is part of the Circle podcast, if that's correct, uh, and pretty much a nomad in terms of podcasting. He's been here, there, and everywhere. Say hello to everybody, Stan. Hello, everybody. And secondly, at the bottom of my screen, and I'm assuming yours, is a big, fat, bearded man that needs no introduction. It's Danny. Hello, you cheeky monkeys. Look, a different view. It's the first different view since 2012 when I first did it. How are you, James? Lovely um, intro. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very well. Are Shall we dive right into the, um, you know, the juicy topics that I've got prepared for us tonight? Yeah. As you might imagine, the most pressing concern, the one I thought would attack first, is you know, the you know, fantastic nil-nil triumph against Burnley, in which we rose like a burning phoenix of uh, professionalism. Um, so straight off the bat, Stan, let's have a discussion about the nil-nil draw with Burnley, and what were your thoughts on the match? Uh, it's just a glaring indictment, really, of how short we are. On players, I mean, a lot of people seem to think that we've got a very good first start in 11. I'm of the opinion that we have a very good start in nine. But we still, that means that we're too too short from the first 11 and way short in those that can come in and play cup games, rotate with injuries and so forth. So, um, you know, there's little wonder that Mikel Arteta has flown off to Denver to see the big man. And um, I think that... (sighs) We're in a stage now, though, where these reinforcements are now needed in another way because it was a few weeks ago that we just needed bodies in to help us get through the games. But the way that the games have been rearranged, we're now going to be bringing in people, hopefully, to upgrade and what we have. So maybe the, the their eye shift on where they're looking. But I'm coming away from the game. I just think that the game itself was just a, a glaring indictment of how short we are in positions over the pitch and the most obvious one being the striker position. Bad finishing that is down on the day. I mean, there's no dispute in that. I mean, you watch that team, you look at that team, it's a good point where we've got a good start in nine. You had a, you know, a decent partner, partner for Partey. That's a tongue twister, that is. And you put someone up front who's, you know, good in the air, is mobile, can link up play. Somebody like that. Those two players, those yeah. two players will make an immeasurable difference to this team. And... I don't know about you guys, but I was watching it, and it was one of those Arsenal performances where there's usually one of two. One is the one we saw where it will just be flat, unimaginative, and a bit well, tepid is the word for it. The second one is what we saw against Man City. You can see that where the potential is in this team comes to light, and you can see that there is something there, and there's something there to be built on, and something there that, you know, if it progresses in the way the manager wants it to, if it progresses the way we want it to, and it's going to be good. But the trouble is, if you were to define Mikel Arta as rain, then you're looking at it could be easily decide, defined by one of those two things. He's either a manager that's really bringing out the best in our young players or he's you know, presiding over just a incandescent shower of shite. So, <laughs> Danny, what would you say? How would you, how would you describe that game to someone who hadn't watched it? Don't bother. 
Is it on your BBC? Is it on your iPlayer? Is it on? No, is it on your Skybox or your TiVo, whatever you people have? You people, it's not. Look at that! I'm looking right at you. Can see into all of your souls. You're all perverts. Well, some of you are. Um, Yes, it's uh, to delete it. Don't watch it. You will be frustrated. You will be bored. You will be angry, and you will be thinking, "Hold on, how can the team?" um, I think the game. You would be all of those things, but you wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised. I mean, look at the, the last five games. We scored one goal. The five games we scored nineteen, which is why I've titled this podcast "Has Arteta Lost the Plot?" Because mm-hmm. how can you go from having the best attacking display from Arsenal against Man City in uh, in living memory <laughs> and the best defensive record uh, performance at Liverpool, and the only team to go there and, and keep a clean sheet in living memory, and uh, as if you were about um, three months old, yes, if you're two. <laughs> If you yeah, if in in Tallulah's um, Ellis's little favorite Tallulah, in Tallulah's living memory, because she's only about a month old, um, how could you go and do those two things and then play against Burnley, who uh, have not won a single, have won one game all season? They've not won a single game in I think it's twenty five Premier League games because going going back to last season, and uh, and go from nineteen goals in five to one in five. How do you do that? I mean. Uh, how is that even possible? It's not like the players weren't even trying because I was saying I was on um, Guns and Yellow Ribbons last night with Fergus and Trev and Dan, and I said something that um, uh, Saka has, which you would give a king's ransom to. Every time he runs down the right, he turns his player and gets past them and then puts a cross in. It almost, nine times out of ten, he's going to do that. Most wingers, apart from Raheem Sterling, will do that and maybe get past their player one or two times out of ten. He's banging it nine, eight or nine times out of ten. And then when he does that and he works, and so is Martinelli, both unbelievable, tricky, skillful, pacey wingers. And when they put it into the box, you go, Lacazette to you, Lacca, and they look behind. He's at the halfway line going, hold on, lads. I'll be there in a minute. Lacazette had what I started to describe as one of his hefty fish supper performances. (laughs) Every now and then, I I think it was... I can't remember where I heard it, but somebody described Lacazette as every now and then he'll have a performance where he looks like he's had a kebab in the tunnel before he's come out. <laughs> like the olden days, when they never fry up at half time. And for as good as he's been, as good as he's been in terms of that he's been good for the team, he has enabled other players to come to the forefront whilst not really contributing the way you'd like him to himself. He does every now and then put in a performance like that where he couldn't get a cow's ass with a banjo and he's just blowing out his ass after about 20 minutes. Is that because and I don't actually up? think that's too much his fault. I think he's been put in a position where he's expected yes. to lead the line and he's no, he's at a point in his career where he is. If we had a solid number nine, or at least we had two decent options in the number nine role, you could argue that Lacazette would make a really, really good off the bench with 25 minutes to go player. Because he does yeah. bring out the best in some of the players around him. And he's very savvy when he's got, you know, runners off him. Just to con- continuously do 90 minutes. I don't think yeah, what, he's up what to striker it. In, what striker in the world could you go? You're, you're a number nine. You're a number 10. 
from now on, I want you to play as a as a 10, as a 9, and then drop back into central midfield and get the ball and do your work there. How many strikers in the world could do that? I don't think any of them could. I mean, I even Martinelli, with, yeah. with, who can run for 90 minutes. I mean, do you see that tackle Martinelli put in in about the 91st minute? He ran down as from, from the left wing all the way down to, the, to our centre ball, our penalty area, and made a tackle. He'd been running the entire game. Even he would struggle to do the, the Lacazette yeah. job. The problem is Lacazette's doing that job on account of the fact we don't have anyone else, whether that be Aubameyang and Ketia, Balogun, whoever you want to say it. We don't have anyone who really can occupy the number nine role and do it in the way we need them to. Stan, what are your views on this? My, my biggest fear is that we're going to, at some point in the season, see us playing without a number nine at all. Probably maybe because of injury, because of and and you know Aubameyang is is not in the team. Balogun will be off on loan. Maybe Eddie will gone, and and it wouldn't surprise me if at some point we see us playing someone like Odegaard in that sort of false nine position, like they do over at Man City. And I'm just going to break my heart if I see us turn out like that. You know, this is not. It, I hate seeing when Man City turn out like that because I don't want it to permeate to the rest of the league and everybody starts to look at that and say that this is the way forward and that we don't really need strikers anymore. I think they're probably one of the most important important parts of the team. But what else are we going to do? I mean, it wasn't so long ago that Lacazette couldn't get past 60 minutes in the game and now he's just struggling to make a 90. His, his knees aren't going to take us to the end of the season. And if that if his knees do go, then I worry of what the options are going to be. It's, it's like asking your grandmother to run up the stairs, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, is Martinelli going to get shifted into the middle? Are we going to start messing around with Pepe there? Which is, I mean, if he can barely get into the team in his natural position, why would we try Pepe in a position I that he's not used to? Totally agree. I mean, the, the cold hard facts of the day is that in that position, whether it be who, um, Lacazette, Martinelli, Pepe, anyone, we don't really have what we need, and it's as obvious to me as the day is long I mean Danny do you look at Arsenal and think that if you put somebody in that number nine role whether that be Calvert-Lewin Ollie Watkins whether that be Isak or Flavich no it's not going to be it would have a transformative effect on a team uh, it depends if you're going to ask the, or you mean put one of those players and tell them to do the same job that Lacazette has currently been doing for the last five no, games. Play into the strengths of having a player like that. You know, oh. someone, especially, let's say for argument's sake, we're putting Dominic Calvert Lewin in there. Yeah. Playing to his strengths. We do playing amazing. Playing to his strength, yeah. Because we've, we've got everything else in place, haven't we? Mm. Yeah, I think we'd be we'd be brilliant. As much as I I, I like um, DCL as he's now referred to, um, I think that he's he's injured. He's got a lot of injuries. He's constantly having these little niggles, and we don't we can't put chuck all of our available money on a striker for him to miss. 10, 15 Premier League games a season. I'll have a look in a minute, and I'll have a look and see how many games he's missed uh, this season. But if he was fully fit and he played every game, that's a dimension to our game which we're going to need because in all the years under with Wenger with Giroud, we did, really didn't make the most of Giroud's heading ability. When he won the league with Montpellier, mm. he was up and banging in headers all the time. But when he came to Arsenal, it was, uh, right, we're, not, we're no longer going to play you as a main striker. We're going to have you, but you're playing your back to goal on your own. And he adapted. He did well. He banged in loads of goals. But you can't do that with um, if we're going to bring someone else in. It needs to be, you're a striker. We're going to play you as a striker. We're going to give you the balls in the air. 
And then maybe we've had 20 minutes to go if we need a change. We'll change the style of play, bring Lacazette on and let him play as an actual striker. Whoever we, we come in, you've got to play to their, their best ability. But when we've got Saka, Martinelli, um, Tomiyasu and KT all available to run down those wings and put in crosses, what's the point if you've got no one there? I don't think um, Lacazette has ever headed a ball in his life. <laughs> Unless he's been hit in the head with a ball while he's been laying on the floor. I, I long had this uh, theory about Lacazette, and I think I've shared this one with our pirate friend from Plymouth, and he vehemently disagrees with it. But I'm going to share it with you because I actually believe it's true. I think the last sort of big mistake of Arsene Wenger's tenure was Lacazette. I'm of the opinion if we hadn't signed him and kept Giroud and played with Giroud and Aubameyang, would be a better position than we are now because those two would have complemented each other. Lacassette was that in-between player where he isn't as good as Aubameyang and he isn't as good at Giroud. And Giroud and Aubameyang have two different skill sets and Lacazette is sort of unable to do either. Yeah, so I always that. thought that um, that was an issue. Now we're sort of putting all our focus on that one player. The one who isn't as good as Aubameyang at finishing is not as pacey, who's not as good as Giroud was in the air and arguably not as good as Giroud at link-up play. I just think you've got we've got ourselves into this position now where that's our main option, and we've got five days left to rectify it. And in all honesty, it's not looking that way. Um, I'm just, just was, looking at these the Calvert Lewin stats. I've gone and found them. Everton have played twenty league games this this season. He's missed sixteen of them, but when he has played, he's scored three goals in four games last season. He played 33 out of 38 and got 16 goals. One before that, he played 36 out of 38 and scored 13 goals. 35 out of six, uh, 38, so he missed three and scored six goals. And the season before that, 32 league games, four goals. But he was also at Sheffield United at the same time as Ramsdale. So looking at a player's progression, because how old is he? He's only 24. 24, 24 yeah. And he's not 25 till March, so it means he's still 24. Um, every season, he's, he's not missed many games. So this is a one-off season. And every season, he's gone from one goal, four, six, 13, 16, which is the progression that you want to see from a young striker, isn't it? So I was wrong. He's not always injured. I mean, there are definitely concerns about him. I mean, Stan, do you reckon he's a player we should go after? Not really. Um, he's not one of the strikers that's high up on my list. Um, I think there's a good case and it's something that I've been talking about a lot with some of the other lads on other podcasts that I mean, at some point between now and next January, we're going to have to bring in three strikers because it seems like three of them have already got their foot out of the door uh, in Lacazette, Aubameyang and Nketiah. Balogun's going to go on loan. So I know that we've been focusing on one, but I think at some point we're going to need to bring in three. Now, looking at it in, 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 in that way, one of the three I feel needs to be a slightly older head and somebody that's perhaps already uh, had a practice and experience playing in the Premier League. So one of them I would like to bring in would be Raul Jimenez from Wolves. I think he'd be gettable. I think he'd be able to help if we if the other two strikers were, were coming in from other leagues. By having somebody like Jimenez, it would help the other two strikers to settle into the team, to, 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 to get comfortable and also have someone of experience to look to who can help them understand this is what's expected in the Premier League. This is what's this is how it's expected that you conduct yourself when you're part of a Premier League team. All the little things that a player's going to need to settle in. So I would definitely uh, look at somebody like Raul Jimenez. And if you look at his salary, he's on the same salary as Eddie Nketiah. 
so we could make it attractive for him. And when you look at it, about 40 grand, yeah, it's on 40 grand a week. Now, on 40 grand, yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, it's about 2.3 or 2. some between 2.3 2.7 million a year. Eddie and Kit is a very wealthy young man already. So, no one can't be bothered. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny because Raul Jimenez is not a player I've really thought about. That is a good show. I mean, before he got injured, he was he was one of those players you look at him now and think, he's decent. He is. You never, maybe, or at least in my case, you never really pay too much attention. But now you're pointing that out and I would think about it, you think, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, I like he's, 30. That he's 30. So you could think that there'd be a good couple of seasons in, you know, after about one and a half seasons, maybe two seasons, that's when you start winding it down and start looking to to move him on but he How would much definitely is it cost what, what would his value be i i, I haven't looked but i he's got the trouble would... you've got with five days left of the window everyone's yeah. going to know we're desperate so that puts 10 15 million on every price you know but a little bit of planning it is something that you know could have been an could have been an option and it would help a player like jonathan david and perhaps a, someone like a darwin nunez would be the other two that i would bring in it just gives them a little bit of breathing space to settle in and have someone transfer that market be a bit of a model for them. Transfer market value him at 19.8 million. And also, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been out, missed 18 league games with a broken toe. That's not a regular injury. That's just one of those, that injury. Mm. Um, See, I, like, I just feel at the minute that with the strikers that we have, when they're on the pitch, they don't pull other players from the other opposition too much onto them because they're kind of left alone a little bit. They're not... They're not, they're not the player that the opposition is worried about. If we've got a, a striker that, if they're going to get two, maybe three chances in a game and can put one of those chances away on a regular basis, they'll start to draw more of the opposition onto them as well. They'll have something else to worry about, which will open up a lot more space for some of the other players in the team, like Martin Odegaard, ESR, um, and perhaps Martin Ely and Saka as well. Yeah. One of the other things I noticed from the uh, the Burnley game is that there was a period somewhere duration of the second half where you could see a lot of our players were starting to get tired. And now you think our squad arguably right now is at its bare bones. You've got more players out on loan and that have departed that we have got in our ranks. And we are one or two injuries away from having severe problems. Now, would you say you guys are worried that for the remainder of the season, we're going to burn out some of our young stars? Like, we're not going to be able to rest Saka. We're not going to be able to rest in the Smith row unless they're injured. And we're going to end up, you know, placing far too much pressure on their young heads and it's going to sort of, you know, negatively impact the remainder of our season. Big fella, you first. That's Danny. Obviously, <laughs> uh, we saw that with um, when we only had one decent player when um, um, Arteta first took over in Tyranny, when absolutely everything went through him down the left hand side, and he was running himself ragged game after game, doing getting down there, and no one was joining in play with him. And he was, we're thinking, my God, this is the greatest player we've ever had. And then we look at it in in retrospect, and it's it's mainly because all the other players around him were rubbish and he overused him. And we've seen at times with Bellowin, we broke Bellowin by constantly playing him and, and running, running him ragged. And then he ended up getting injury after injury. And now he's lost that yard of pace and he's, he's, he's dead to us. Although he's having a lovely time with Betis, but there's uh you can't, it, I think that when players are young, you've got to use like Wenger used to do. When we first signed Walcott, everyone's going, play him, bring him, bring on Walcott. We want him. And Wenger went, no, you can't do that. That's not what you do. You, you play him every now and then. You can't have a young player 
banging in game, having goals. Oh, I use banging in quite a lot tonight. I'm not going to say it anymore. Playing game after game. And we've Freudian seen with slip. Wayne Rooney, eh? It's a Freudian slip. You're letting us know what you're thinking about, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bang my neck. It's killing me. Uh, we saw with uh, Michael Owen and Wayne Rooney, what happens if you play constant and maybe even Robbie Fowler? What happens if you play game after game, week after week from a very early age? You're done. I mean, you look at, compare um, um, Wayne Rooney at 35, he was he was um, playing in the championship with Derby and struggling. Compare him to um, Jamie Vardy, who at thirty five is still scoring, not banging loads of goals in the Premier League. Vardy didn't start playing properly until what he was in his early twenties, much like Ian Wright. But if you play them and you play them constantly, but they're going, do we have to worry about Saka, Martinelli, and Smith Rowe? Because at this rate, they'll all be gone by the time they're twenty five. Just grinding them into the ground now, so no one else wants them. I mean, there's certainly. I mean, Jack Wilshere is probably the best example of playing of young. Why players. didn't I think of that? You um, shit! <laughs> I was expecting you to say it, but I mean, you look at a player that was played too much when he was young; it's just never really recovered from it. I mean, there's a degree of well, large degree of bad luck. That you, what in hell's creation are you drinking? Because that looks like it's not been prepared by human hands. <laughs> it's fizzy water. Are you sure? Because it looks like it's the urine of an elk or something. <laughs> That's the bottle's brown. I've, I've, I don't drink so much of the elk urine since the elk urine incident of 1994. So I'm not going to blather on too much about this point. Stan, what do you feel? Are you anyway <laughs> concerned about um, the young players getting burned out or I injuries, think, fatigue, fucking up our team? I, I think we're kind of starting to see glimpses of it, glimpses of it already creeping into the team. Um, you know, as we say, if we agree that we've only got a good start in first nine, I think that uh, games like the Burnley game are evidence of when you have young players that are going to be inconsistent. You're finding players in every week and they're not ready for the next game because they're still a bit tired. They're not going to have as a good a game. And if you've got a couple of those happening in the team at the same time and you've only got a good first starting nine, you're going to get games like the Burnley game, which is why we need those reinforcements to make sure that we can get through a season. And we're only in one competition now and we're still struggling. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's it's a... <laughs> terrible. I mean, when was the last time we got to this point of a season where you're out of everything? I think yeah. someone said it was 1985. It's that kind of era ago, back when I don't even think we, because I think for the first couple of years, we didn't even enter the League Cup. I'm sure that was that the case. No, that would have been the 60s when the League Cup started. So, no, ignore that. But I'm sure they said it was 1985, around that era, which is. In one way, it gives you confidence that we're going to we, we can concentrate on the league. <laughs> Are you worried, James? Do you think it's uh, if we don't get a striker? Like someone's made a point in here, um, ninety-five Winston as usual, another good point. Uh, we can we can forget top four if we just have Eddie and Lacker, James. What do you think? I think the most important thing to look at is I believe I mentioned this the last time as well. I don't think we we're, we're going to get a striker in the next well four and a bit days. I think the most important thing to look at is the bridge between Arteta and Aubameyang. Because if we can get a fully fire on Aubameyang for the remainder of the season, then he'll get us goals and win us games. Whether he's physically and mentally capable of that is another thing. But do you? I don't think in the next four and a bit days we've got any chance, unless there's stuff going on in the background that I'm unaware of, I don't think we've got any chance of bringing in a striker that's better than Aubameyang. I think... As somebody, as the guy you just mentioned said, that if we go into the remainder of the season with our striking options as Lacazette and um, and Ketia, 
Look at it this way: how many teams in the league have got a better strike, you know, better strikers <laughs> at their disposal yeah. than Lacazette and you know, um, and Kay? I mean, Christ, look what United have got. Look at what Chelsea have got. Look at what City have got. Look at what Liverpool. Even look what Leicester and so God strike me down for saying this. Look at what Spurs have got. If we're going to compete to get into those top six places with a strike force that's nowhere near as good as anybody else's, then we're going to need the guys in midfield, the young guys, the guys we're probably putting a little too much stock in at the moment to really pull their socks up and pull the team forward. And if you get if we get to that position, then you've got to ask the question: Who's responsible for that? Because the deficiencies are, you know, they're glaring. You can't not see them. It's anybody looking into Arsenal at the moment is going to say, yeah, well, they're missing player A, player B. And it's as obvious as Danny is, you know, bearded and shimmering in the moonlight. So, yeah, to, to ask your question, yeah, I am concerned. I think that if we, if Arteta can't mend the bridges with Aubameyang, which I think is the only way we're going to get a different striking option to the ones we currently have. If he can't, then we're fucked. And then we're going to struggle. We definitely will struggle to get top four. I think you could probably suggest that it will be beyond <laughs> us. Then it really boils down to whether we've got enough in the locker to get um, fifth or sixth. And even that's debatable, isn't it? When you look at who we're up against and you look at our propensity for doing stupid things in games that we should win. Do you think that if uh, another manager came in, he'd look at the situation and go, well, you spent £240 million on um, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, Odegaard, Party, Xhaka, 220 uh, people at home and on the bus and in the toilet, on the toilet or in the toilet. I just said that, just pointed to the position they'll be playing. And that's our front three, our 10 and our two central midfielders that cost us 220 million quid. And we're not really getting a tune out of those ones. The ones that we're getting the tune out of is uh, Martinelli, Saka and ESR that have all cost us a combined 7 million. So do you think maybe, um, well, Stan, that if a new manager came in, they'd go, right, Aubameyang, you're back. Gwenduzi, uh, Saliba, Bellerin, all you lot, you're all back in. I want to give everybody a fresh chance. Do you think that would be the club would be better off in that situation? I mean, you're always going to get you always going to get players that when a new manager comes in, especially if there's a player that's not had a good time under the previous manager, they want to sort of like they perk up a little bit, they they get back into the groove. But I don't looking at the situation of Aubameyang and Arteta, I honestly believe that I think that that ship has sailed. I don't see even if we get down to the bare bones, that he will come back into the fold. And I think that goes to both ways. I don't think that's that's one over the other that's got the problem here. I think Mikel Arteta doesn't want Aubameyang back into the team. And I don't think that Aubameyang wants to come back into the team. And if you look at the way that Aubameyang, before he came to us, when he left um, Borussia, Borussia Dortmund, a similar, a similar thing happened. For whatever reason, he fell out with them. And there was no way back. And he just comes across as a sort of person that when he's done, he's done. When he wakes up one morning and goes, I fucking ain't working there. That is it. His CV's going out. He's on LinkedIn. He's, there's no way back. You could offer him a pay rise. No, he's fucking done. So even if he was brought back into the, brought back into the team and put on the pitch, I don't think that you would see an uptick in his gameplay. It would probably just be how it was the last time that we saw him. In which case, you can't really... I mean, I don't blame Arteta for what he's done here. I think if, if Aubameyang isn't at the requisite level 
and he isn't, you know, behaving in a manner of which a captain should, then the decision to strip him of the captaincy and omit him, I agree with. It just, I mean, my my point on the subject is: Do you? Does anyone actually think we could go out in the next four days and get a striker that's better than Aubameyang? Because I don't think we can. Well, if it was on loan, then no one's going to loan. The only the only team that has a really Jovic good striker is about the only one I think we could get on loan. I've heard I've heard people mentioning, but very rarely do you have a, the main striker at a club is available for loan unless you're Arsenal. Your most expensive striker, <laughs> yeah, and then, and then we've got Pepe and and uh, Young, who are two most expensive players at the club, and both of them you could probably what, send out. What on I loan. can see it being is like when United signed, um, uh, the Nigerian guy, his name escapes me from China. Oh, he had him on loan. Yeah, Igalo, that's his name. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They, Watford and things. Yeah, we could. That's the kind of signing I can see us having to make is somebody like that, someone that none of us have even contemplated that will come out of left field. It'll be, if you're being honest, it'll be slightly underwhelming, but it's probably, but slightly better up front than Lacazette. I think that's where we're at. Yeah, it is concerning. Right, moving on. I had a look at the table. And currently, we stand on 36 points. We're sixth, and we've played 21 games. If you want to say, roughly, we're at the halfway point. I always consider January, mid-January, end of January as a halfway point of the season. It's just the way my brain works, or always has been. So my question to you, fine gentlemen, is halfway through this season, how would you, A, rate Mikel Arteta's performance as a manager, and B, predict where we're going to finish up at the end of the season? And I'm going to enable... Danny, why don't you go first with that one, my love? Right, so give me the first question first, because I was just doing a tweet. Right. A, how do you rate Arsenal and Mikel Arteta's performance for the first half of the season? I'll answer that one first. How do I rate Arteta? Um, Not good enough. That's the short answer. Do you want any more than that? You can elaborate if you've got anything to say, but if not, then just crack straight on with question number B. Number B, I'd say uh, not good enough. A, a huge amount of potential shown in so many occasions. Continuity is just completely crazy. Like the 19 goals v one goal thing. How how can a team do that? It's almost like he's only just taken over and he hasn't been there for just over two years. It's 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 like when you first come into a club as a manager, you're trying out new stuff, or when you become a manager for the first time. I mean, look at Gerard come to Villa, bang straight away. I'm banging again, haven't I? Whoops a daisy straight away. He's coming there and he, he's he's doing bits, as the as the kids say nowadays, as the cool kids, bringing in decent players. I mean, Coutinho has come straight in and done really well. Uh, he's gone and got the one for the, the left back from Everton, Din, Dean, Dean, I think you say his name is Dean, yeah. Digny. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's doing the right thing, and the fans are going, Well, this is this is what we want. I mean, Smith wasn't even doing that bad when he was manager of Villa. So it's just just frustrating that it seems to be Three steps forward, four steps back. Next, next part B. The next the B was um, taking into account what we've seen for the first part of the season. How do you see us progressing for the remainder? Oh dear, there's been so many, so many eras of Arteta this season. The disaster at the first start, then <laughs> then doing okay, and then doing quite well, and then doing bad, then doing fantastic, and then shit in the bed. So uh, I don't know where how we're, I don't think anybody can seriously predict game to game because when you go we're playing Burnley, even Burnley fans are probably thinking we were going to smash them, 
and most people thought we were. And then we get a nil-nil, and probably one of our worst displays under Arteta that we didn't lose. So, has that answered your question? Your question uh, succinctly, thoroughly, and rather delightfully as well. So, Stan, we're going to turn the same two questions to you, sir. It's I been can very, repeat them if you'd like. It's been very patchy, Mikel Arteta, for me. Very, very patchy. And Danny hit on a good point. Sometimes it feels like he's only just come in as the manager. Sometimes when you watch it, it feels like he's just taken over the team and, it's, and they're just kind of like sorting things out. You look at other managers, Patrick Vieira, Stephen Gerrard, I'll just use those two as an example. They go into their teams, David Moyes even over at West Ham. And you kind of look there now and you think, well, they seem to be settling. They seem to have, be getting their identity and knowing what it is that they're doing. There still seems to be a little, a little bit of feeling out going at Arsenal. The beginning of the season was atrocious, those first three games, especially the Brentford game. I mean, the, the amount of excuses that we were giving the team before a ball was kicked off, why they weren't going to win the City game and the Chelsea game was, was appalling. Um, and I don't think that helped. Where do I think that we're going to end up? I don't think that we're going to reach the top four. I just don't think that we've got enough in the team and the surrounding the team to help us get to that. Six is the minimum for me. If we don't reach top six, I think that Miklata has to go because that's where we we, we we need to be, at least in the Europa League. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail to the cross that we're going to sort of like get to around sixth. We have to get to sixth. Anything other than that is just, is, is just a failure. Uh, I mean, I don't disagree with either of you. I thought, you know, for the sake of... You can answer that, your own question. I am going to chuck my Good. own two pennies worth into the mix. That I'm Good. sort of... Before the season started, I was probably one of the naysayers. I thought, having presided over the previous season, which was, you know, our worst in a long, long time, and we didn't have European football for the first time in a long time, then if the board had sacked Arteta in the summer, I don't think anyone could have had any complaints. Him especially. Now, since that point, I've got to admit my mind has slightly changed. I feel that what he did in the summer in terms of recruitment, you look at the players we brought in, the age range, the, you know, the personality, the talent of these kids, and they're all impressive. You take into account that, and it looks like you, he is building a team that, you know, not necessarily now, but maybe in next season, the season after has it in its locker to compete and I really really think that's the way we're going it's just the only problem I have with it is and it's again something uh, similar to what I said earlier if you were to ask me what the archetypal Mikel Arteta performance whilst at Arsenal is then you have to say it's the disappointing you know let's just sort of let the players don't uh, turn up and they churn out just you know insipid dross and that, unfortunately, is the. If you watch Arsenal, you think that's more likely to happen than what happened against Manchester City. Yeah. So I like him. I think he's changed my mind about him as a manager with what he's done in the last eight months. But my fear is that um, he might be his own worst enemy. I think he's so sort of set in his ways in relation to what he does in terms of, you know, discipline, what he expects of the players, what he expects to occur on the pitch, that he sort of cuts his own nose off to spite his face. And in a lot of ways, I mean, you can say what you want about Guendouzi and Lucas Torreira and even Ainsley Maitland-Niles, but we'd be in a better shape in terms of our midfield if any one of those three guys was still with us. 
I mean, then maybe we beat Burnley. Maybe maybe we don't go out to Forest because we're not dropping eighteen-year-old Charlie Patino, who's definitely not ready to step it up. So, I think I'm fifty-fifty on him at the moment. And in terms of the second part of my question, where do I think we'll finish up this season? I agree with Stan. I think top four is beyond us now. I think there are teams that are better placed to get that top four than us and teams that have better resources to call upon when they need to win games. I mean, it's only so long that United are going to keep, you know, churning out shite when you look at the strikers they've got, look at the options they've got up front. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, they've got the, the, compared to our paucity of options, they've got a wealth of choice and it's, um, well, it's upsetting really because you think that if that, if that team clicks, as much as I'm not their biggest fan, if that team clicks, then they're going to be miles ahead of us. Um, so I think, like I said, fourth, it'll take, a, it'll take a real turnaround for us to get fourth. And it'll take at least one or two of the teams ahead of us shit in the bed and shit in the bed in a catastrophic manner. Um, I want to say we'll get fifth or sixth. I'm currently in that sort of pessimistic mind frame where I think we might struggle to even do that. I think our problem's always been ourselves. And if we start, you know, having these moments where things don't go our way and then we're fucked, we're going to not, we're going to be sort of back to where we started. And I think if we don't get sixth, if we sort of get that, what is that bloody strange competition where you get for seventh that Spurs are in? Like the no, European Conference League. We end up with yeah. that, or we end up with nothing, then I, I think he might go. I, I don't know. I don't actually think they'll sack him. You think they will, did you say? No, I, I think they should, but I don't think they will. No. I mean, why are the, why there's talk about already a new contract is being offered, which then means that they're not really bothered about, you know, there's no target for the end of this season. It's no, it's no, well, you know, we're going to give you, if he, if he gets into Europe, you're, you're home and dry. If not, we, you know, we might have to replace it. It seems like they want to protect their investment. They're worried that maybe in the summer Pep might be leaving uh, Man City. And for whatever reason, they think that City's going to come straight in for Arteta and they're trying to protect that. But that's it. No, I really don't think they would. It sets a bad precedent for me, though, rewarding yeah. someone before we see where we are at the end of the season. You and think in, in terms of a team that requires Man City are probably second only to Chelsea in terms of a team that are ruthless if they're not getting the results they need. And if they're not getting the results they need, they're going to go for whoever the next biggest name to Guardiola is. Would they go untried and untested, Mikata? I, I really don't think they would. Not think- now. They've probably seen what I... I think it's fair to say, not a, not a complete disaster, but the lack of progress and continuity and progression that he's seen, that they, they've seen him do at Arsenal. When, when if I said on this show, like, before I carry on, just notice on our Twitch, Sai, you there, Sai? He used his Amazon Prime subs and gave it to us. We get £1.25 out of that. Thank you very much, Sai. I've just noticed something, that we're 40 minutes into this podcast and... You have criminally overlooked the jockometer. We don't have an official jockometer. We haven't made one. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I can do for you is... Uh, What's the jockometer? Where is, where is the little fellow? Yeah, yeah, that's all I've got. Yeah. Yeah, a device that measures Scottish people or something. Yeah. Well, that's basically <laughs> him looking slightly perturbed by what's going on. 
he's not so happy, need, is he? You need to get some photos of him in various moods, and then we can we can we can. I, I've got it. loads of photos, but I couldn't give Who you any that? of them without asking first. <laughs> is that Josh <laughs> from, from our pod? Yeah. Okay, I've never seen him before. Um, yeah, so cheers, Sai. He's gone giant. Oh, and Deke followed us. We've had and Divian. They've all subscribed to us. All followed us on Twitch. If you if you have got Amazon Prime, then you just go to Twitch, link your account, and then you can press uh, every month from Amazon Prime. You get one free Prime, and then whoever you give it to gets one pound twenty five. And Ooh, so right. I use mine and my brothers every month. And so if everyone in the world did that, what do you buy with one pound twenty five? Well, if you're if you're a partner, it's two pound fifty, but we're not. Right, anyway, what'd you buy with two pound fifty? Well, eventually they love to spend three hundred quid. I just bought a new monitor, which is why I got two monitors. That cost the um, two hundred and sixty-two quid. And that and stuff bought... you made off of Amazon Prime, people giving you these whatever it is you just said. Well, I think we've been doing it on Amazon Prime on on Twitch for about three years, and so far we made about fifty quid in three years. And that's mainly for me using mine and my brother's Twitch Primes. So uh, Twitch is just really good. So if, if people do, that's wonderful. Um, I'm sharing the Luddite side of myself. I have absolutely no idea what Twitch is, what it does, or what the point of it might be. It's the same as YouTube, but for hipsters. So it's basically YouTube. Everything is live. That are too cool for YouTube. And it's everything is live. What did you say about YouTube? Twitch is basically YouTube for people who think they're too cool for YouTube. Everything on Twitch is live. You, everything you don't is live everywhere. There's no pre-recorded. We can put pre-recorded on, but nobody does. Yeah, so whereas uh, YouTube is usually pre-recorded or live. Um, My apologies for not knowing the definition between the two. (laughs) Um, What was I talking about before I rudely interrupted myself, talking about thanking Cy for his prime sub? We were covering something. We were talking about the Jockometer. No, before that. Uh, well, that's what I was going to say on the pod, on the show I was on last night. I said, "Right, this you'll like this." I said, "What we need to, what I'd like to do is get Doctor Strange involved, and then have twenty consecutive timelines, each one with the current Premier League manager of all twenty league teams, each one managing Arsenal with the same squad. So it all starts <laughs> off at the beginning of this season, and Arsenal were managed by Klopp, Arsenal managed by Pep, with exactly the same players." And I bet you if that happened, Dr. Strange would come back with a final league table of how 20 Arsenals have done, Arteta wouldn't be in the top 10 with the same squad as everyone else. That's a really interesting thought, actually. Thank you. I mean, you would assume assume that Klopp, Guardiola, Conte would probably be the highest ones. Actually, no, Conte, Dark Horse. David Moyes, Dark Horse. Yeah, I mean, Christ, Graham Potter's a Dark Horse there as well. I suppose it's interesting to think about if you get to the summer and let's say, for example, we finished seventh or we finished eight. I mean, the board, why the fuck is there an alpaca in the corner? That's because, you know, we've got all of our little pictures. You've got you, got a new one of you. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, my, that's my convict picture, that is. Come yeah, on. I went, I went through your, your Instagram and got a, a decent picture. Same with yours. We've got Fifey. If Fifey ever comes back and we got... Where did you get that one off my Instagram? Yeah. I don't know. It's either that or Twitch. Twitter. Oh, we got I'll a couple for... That that's about five, ten years old, that one. A couple for Moji. But actually, I have a decent background. You know Simon's such a good-looking chap. I got this one when he was doing Movember because he looks wrong. Oh, God. <laughs> Not that I'm going to say yeah. any, any less sinister than I just did. But Jeff Arsenal... That we don't know his picture, and also Raj, when he does it, this is Raj's Somebody picture. Once told me, and this was a rumor going back ten years, that Jeff Arsenal was actually the bloke from Fake Taxi. 
<laughs> they sound the same, but he says he says it's not him. <laughs> oh dear! Look, this will make everyone smile. We'll have a little bit of Ellis in the corner. Can't go wrong with that. He looks like a baby Kevin there. Smith. There you go. That's better. I've now changed it. Um, so they all line up now. Look at that. Top right-hand corner. All little black lines all line up. Wonderful. Why do you carry on? I'll stop fucking around. I completely forgot what I was saying. What was I saying? Saying about my this, theory this about Doctor Strange. Gold, this isn't it. Pop <laughs> <laughs> theory. It was Doctor Strange about thing. <laughs> Yeah, I was blathering on aimlessly about nothing in particular. Uh, no, my Doctor Strange scenario. Where Doctor were they? Strange scenario then... was genuinely interesting. I thought that was a great point. I mean, for the sake of discussion, let's just say who do we think would be the best. And who do we think would be the worst in the Doctor Strange scenarios, as it shall for Heather Forth be known? <laughs> so, Danny, who do you think would be most successful with Arsenal, and who do you think would be least? Most is, I'm going to say Pep, because um, Arteta has bought players that he thinks that Pep would like um, in the Pep style of management, because he thinks he's Pep, the, Pep the, the, the younger, much like Pip. The Pip the Elder and Pip the Younger, the old British Prime Ministers, he thinks he's Pip the Younger. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, he'll be first, Kloppo will be second, third will probably be, I don't know, Tommy Tickles. And then bottom is going to be um, probably Sam Allardyce. Or, no, not Sam Allardyce. Um, oh, the Burnley manager. Huh? Sean Dyche. That's so, Sean, because he wouldn't know what to do with a decent player. He'd just go... These players can attack. They've got skill. They're entertaining to watch, right? Transfer list to all of them. I want 11 jackers. <laughs> how, about, how about you two? What do you two think? Um, I'm not going to lean top three. I'm just going to go with first and last. First, Klopp. Last. Uh, Norwich manager. Name escapes me. No, Eddie Howe. Yeah. I think Eddie Howe, yeah, Eddie, Eddie Howe would not do well with his Arsenal team. I'd go with uh, Klopp and last, that guy that's always crying at Southampton, Houston Hootle. Him. Can't stand that guy. He's always balling. The bloke who t- has twice had men goals bang past him and not been sacked. Yeah, that one. Amazing. But do you think, looking at the, the Doctor Strange scenario... Do you think other managers would make would would uh, have fallen out with Pepe and Aubameyang and Guendouzi and Saliba and Torreira, or would they have got a tune out of them? Torreira. Hmm. I don't know. It's I mean, a, you could argue that me. you could argue that Klopp or Guardiola would certainly get a better tune out of uh, Torreira. Um, the one that always I think splits people down the middle is Guendouzi. I know, again, that our fair-weathered pirate friend from Plymouth is a big advocate of Guendouzi. I have noticed. <laughs> you, know, um, you know, there are certain names for, like, if you're into Asian culture or if you're into certain cultures, they, I forget what they are. I don't know what the term for being that immersed in French culture is. It's because not you, a bit for, in English culture, you're an Anglophile, aren't you? Yeah, so it's like a, a Francophile or something like that. Isn't yeah. It? Um, so, yeah, I, I know that it'd be interesting to see because th- there's a fairly, you know, good argument to be made that Arteta hasn't necessarily managed Genduzi very well. As much as Genduzi, you know, is off the charts in terms of being a bell end, I mean, <laughs> he's practically astronomic in that respect. So, um, 
he is a talented footballer. Whether or not whether or not he's as talented as he thinks he is is another matter entirely. But he certainly got something there. I'm not one to pay too much attention to what he's doing in France, playing central midfield in France. Because to be frank, I think I could probably score a few goals playing central midfield in France. Yeah, he hasn't really proved himself at top level. But could another manager get a um, you know tune out of him? Sure. I think they could. Mm-hmm. From on the subject of the um, on the uh, subject of the Doctor Strange, if you're having twenty alternate timelines, then who do you think's having this conversation in the other nineteen timelines? Well, Chris wouldn't. He'd have the ump unless we're talking about French players, so he wouldn't be on any of the those shows. I've probably got Evil Stan out there on the podcast doing something stupid. <laughs> I reckon it's my getting twin. Cancelled. <laughs> You think for all intents, if, if it's a complete opposite, then we're all on the um, the Tottenham podcast. Oh, no, I wouldn't like football. No. I'd, I'd have been disgruntled after about 1985 and gone, we're not ever winning anything. We're shit. I'm going to take up ice hockey or something. Just, like talking, just talking about some of those players that are on, on the outside now of Arsenal looking in, I was already, it always surprised me how both Emery and Mikel Arteta were unable to make Lucas Torreira feel at home. I mean, they, they all speak the same language. You know, mm-hmm. you'd think that you could invite him around on Sunday afternoons around to Mikel's house for some paella and make him feel comfortable and sangria. I'm just surprised that the way that we saw some of the younger players at Man City talking about Mikel Arteta, about how he worked with them and helped them, that he was unable to to, to get a tune out of Lucas Torreira. Because I've seen, him play, I've, I've seen him play a couple of times before I left the UK, I left Europe. And I honestly thought that that was a guy that was going to do so well for us. I thought he was going to be kind of like our version of Angola Canty, you know, running around the pitch, putting out fires and uh, transitioning the ball. But I, I just can't believe how that never, that, that we never, we never fought hard enough to make that into a, a winnable situation. I think he's one of those players where if he comes in and he immediately adopts the mindset, that he doesn't like England, he doesn't like the culture, he doesn't like the weather, he doesn't like the food, he doesn't like the pressure, he doesn't like the intensity of the football, he doesn't like you know the frequency with which the games are played. If a player adopts that mindset, then you're going to struggle to get rid of it. You can try and make him at home, you can try and you know give him all the lavish, this, that and the others, you can make him feel comfortable. If they've got that mindset, then they're, they're done. I think it's very similar to what happened to Varane. <laughs> Brilliant player in Serie A, came to the Premier League, couldn't hack it, just was absolute garbage. Same with like someone like Di Maria for, in more recent times, came yeah. to the Premier League, wonderful footballer, couldn't handle it, just couldn't handle it. Didn't like the weather, didn't like the culture, and sometimes you get players who just do that, and there's nothing the football club could do about it. It's just one of those things that you can't account for, and it happens. Craig saying there that it was Therese, uh, the problem was Therese's girlfriend, not like in the UK. And we all know in a situation like that, there's only ever going to be one winner, and that's the missing. <laughs> yeah, bloody women. James, look at that question here from, from Carnage on Twitch. Oh, on that Doctor question. Strange scenario, who finishes higher, Pep at Arsenal or Arteta? That's a good question. Well, given the resources, you'd have to assume it's Arteta at Man City, wouldn't you? Given the fact he's been there, been there for X amount of time. I mean, I it, it depends. I mean, if Guardiola's got uh, a summer and a transfer window and a January and a transfer window, then 
I still think it's Arteta at City purely because they've just got the better players and the better resources. But I think Pep would be right at home at Arsenal with our striker situation because he doesn't play any anyway. So <laughs> he'd be right. <laughs> <He don't care. laughs> uh, <laughs> Jimmy is but Arteta is the manager's equivalent of getting catfished. <laughs> He sounds like a man of experience. <laughs> if you need to talk to anybody, Jimmy, just uh, send us an email and uh, we'll, we'll help. We'll help track them down. And, and if you can find us, he's recently help. exchanging sexy um, uh, messages with a seventy-five-year-old Asian man <laughs> <laughs> called Samantha. <laughs> yeah, called Darlene. <laughs> oh dear! Right, should we move on to what I? I basically broke the show down into three separate parts you know the first was the game the set and so the third part is i'm sure you can all guess it's transfers and what mm-hmm. we think might may or may not occur there's the whole farrago surrounding bruno Guimarães or whatever the fuck you pronounce that name so i thought that with five days to go maybe four if you're going to be pedantic do you think we have got anything up our sleeve do you think there is a little bit of magic behind the scenes that none of us know anything about that might suddenly burst into fruition or do you think we're gonna catastrophically mismanage and we're gonna go into february and the remainder of the season with just what we have so danny you big beautiful bastard what's your opinion on the matter i like it when you host you're nice to me chris is just bullies me the entire time and josh that's, just uh, that, that's unacceptable and josh Would just you, like you to have a word with him both you know set him straight well, well sadly we do have actually have an abw um uh, hr department, department. <laughs> that's it we have a hr department and it's you remember aussie dom yeah he, he's never officially left abw he just left canada and went back to australia and then uh we, we hear from him every now and then but he's apparently he's still in charge of our um h H&R, and department so um are you actually submitting you know uh complaints about they do you honestly you send him a complaint and he'll he'll uh he'll tell you what the answer is and we have to stick by it. and every time i've lost so i'm not asking him <laughs> anymore it's true honestly i'll still message him and go don we've got a problem h&r hr what what's the answer and he always comes down against me because he's uh he's such a good looking man um hopefully he'll come back on monday he said he would do um so what was the quote well, so what was the question? It was about transfers. Once again, we've got four and a little bit days remaining. Yeah. Do you think that there's a possibility that we've got some magic up our sleeve, that everyone's going to be dancing in the streets in a state of got euphoria? It. Or do you um, think we're going to go into this rest remainder of the season with what we have? Well, we're not getting Bruno Guamares, which is an area in Brazil. It's like Juninho and Juninho Palista. That's the areas in, in Brazil. So that's not his full name. It's like someone uh, called Steve Plymouth, isn't it? Oh, yeah, Janino. Then you had Janino Palista. Oh, and you had yeah. Gabriel and Gabriel Palista. Palista is a area that they have the Palista League, which my team Corinthians play in. The, it's like a, an area like London. I'm really glad my parents didn't take up that, that sort of route of naming their kids because I'd be called Peckham. I'd be called Putney. <laughs> I'd be called Jimmy Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> that's your porn name anyway nobody google that those days are gone no he doesn't like to talk about them that isn't me that's all i'm saying <laughs> um i would have said uh oh well, look kelly is she already said hello but kelly in in canada uh she's in the really cold part 
uh, stand. She's got 20 minutes for her next meeting, and so she's popped in to say hello. Very nice of you, Kelly. Um, normally, I'd have said not a chance. This is Arsenal. We're absolutely useless. But after the the um, the magic that Edu did in the summer, just look at the fact that be- before the summer started, Real Madrid wanted 60 million for Odegaard. By the end of the summer, they took 35. Now, he could be trying to work that kind of magic again. So I am... Um, oh, Kelly says it's two degrees there today. Lovely. Um, so I am quite hesitant to, to go, damn you, Arteta, damn you, Edu, why haven't you got anyone in? Blah, blah, blah. Because I'd have to try and delete my own tweets if I did any of that lot. Because when we do magical stuff on the last day of the transfer season, and a little bit of information for you people out there, don't tell anyone I've told you. We're doing an eight-hour special from five o'clock on transfer eight deadline hour day. Have eight you, hours. Uh, have you obtained uh, guests for all of this? No. Nope. Anyone can come on all day. As long as I know you, you can come on and go off and whenever you want. But I shall be here for the, I say eight hours. That's the longest stream you can do on YouTube. So it's going to be an eight-hour continuous transfer day deadline show starting uh, at about can, five o'clock. You can count me in for some of that. I'll be around. Ooh, are you going to be around, Stan? Yeah, I'll be around. Love Lovely. transfer. Love the, love the last day on transfer day. Yes, so luckily I'm going to have to have a catheter fitted and a foot pump, and then I won't have to leave. I could do it from the bath. I'd do it from bed. No, I'd fall asleep. So uh, I'm the, the answer to your question... If you do it in the bath, me, there's a possibility you're going to drown life on it. Or get electrocuted. <laughs> yeah, there is that chance. Uh, answering the question you asked me 25 minutes ago... You'll probably double the viewership if you put that possibility <laughs> you, out there. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so come and watch us from 5 p.m., maybe about half past four, actually, on on uh, Monday, I think it is, for the whole eight hours. You can come and watch us. It'll be fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> Craig Barlow <laughs> sums up the problem here. Eight-hour special of watching no transfers to Arsenal. <laughs> exactly. eight, eight, eight hours of people moaning about no transfers to Arsenal. Of me doing absolutely nothing. But yeah, I think we're going to do something. See, that took me 20 minutes to answer one single question. The answer was yes, we are. <laughs> Stan, see if you can embellish further on that 20 minutes. I kind of feel like we're, we're like driving around in a Rolls Royce with Mikel Arteta like out the sunroof with a megaphone going, players, players, <laughs> and just frying money like confetti at, at, at everybody. So we've got them. It sounds like we've got money that's literally burning a hole in our pockets. And in a situation like that, someone is going to want to take some of that money from us somewhere. I think that someone's going to come in. My, I would rather that we didn't bring anyone in if it's not going to be the right person. I don't want to bring someone that's a panic, a panic loan or buy that comes in on the very last day and in six months' time to maybe eight months' time, we want to move that person on, but none will take them because we've given them a really high salary that nobody else wants to take on, <laughs> which is another little trick that we like to do. So I think that we will bring someone in. I have no idea whether it's going to be the right person, the right person, but it's just too much money. We've got too much money kicking about that we want to get rid of. So someone's coming. I'm kind of of the same mindset, strangely optimistic about it. Normally in situations like this, if you've only got four or five days to go, I'm thinking, nah, there's no chance in hell that's happened. We're just going to end up having to endure what we have. Again, I heard on another podcast, and for the life of me, I, I was thinking about it while you guys were talking, that I can't remember where I've heard this, but I thought it was a very good point. Somebody... As Stan touched on earlier in the podcast, there's a very real possibility by the time we get to the end of the season, we're going to need two, maybe three strikers. 
I mean, if we can't get our first choice, then there is no reason why we can't go for the second choice, the B striker, the one that might be as a backup, that guy. There's no reason we can't go for that guy now, who conceivably, if it's not necessarily a full-on starting position, it's someone we want to back up our first choice, then that might mean that that person we could get, that person is, you know, capable or we can reach an agreement with a club and get a satisfactory deal for everybody concerned. I don't think in the next four days we're going to get a big name, big money, first choice, number nine that we need. I think you can forget about that. Um, but there's every possibility that we could, that they're going to spring something on us that none of us would have considered. Like, you know, some, every now and then a transfer will occur where you sort of get, it comes out of blue. You think, oh, I've never even thought of that before. It's a player's name I'm not familiar with, and it just sort of materializes out of nowhere. I think that's what we're, if anything that's going to happen, it'll be that, or it'll be some, you know, just achingly uninspiring loan, like Kim Kelstrom or Dennis Suarez, someone like that, and you that'll play five minutes and somehow big, uh, become a cult legend at Arsenal. So, I have a vision. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Sorry, I thought you'd finish. No, 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 no. You go ahead. I was done. I was just going to say, I have this vision that it's going to be like stars in their eyes. It's one minute to 12. All the smoke is at the top of the stage and the doors open and out walks Erling Haaland. And you're like, wow, oh, stop it. <laughs> FIFA style. <laughs> yeah, it'll be that, but it'll be Salomon Kalou. <laughs> Julian Draxler. It'll be someone like we're all going to just universally, collectively be like, oh, for fuck's sake, man. It will... Ah, and Villa, welcome. <laughs> At last. Oh, we are getting the, the American Fred. goalkeeper, aren't we? That's going to be 15 million, and then uh, Leno is apparently going to Nuka. I Go assume we'd wait to the end of the year for that. There's no need now. No, he's he's over in Dubai with the team now. Is he? The, 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 yeah. the goalie? Yeah. Hmm. I did not know that. Um, I think it was Charles Watts said that either on his YouTube channel or he said it on the Gooners, the Gooners podcast last night. People go find it on YouTube. Charles Watts was on there for an hour. Really, really good. And they're all really good shows. Yeah, but go and, uh, and Mike didn't the talk podcast over him too much. is the one with Mike Feinberg on it, isn't it? Yeah, the one who, yeah, but he might didn't do much talking. He shut up and let others talk. So that's always a good thing. I always picture him as just like the American version of you. Well, he came over, didn't he? Yeah, I know that. I'm, but he's an no. American. You're British. I think you're the one. You know, I'm English, not British. Pond. Oh, excuse me, Your Grace. <laughs> you guys are the across the pond equivalent of one another, is what I'm trying to say. Well, apart from that, he's an alcoholic and about 400 stone. And I've been on a diet since Christmas, so uh, I've lost about half a stone. Basically, I've got another half a stone coming out about 1 a.m. this morning, hopefully. Basically, if this was the MCU, that is the most repulsive fucking image I've had in my head in a long time. Mike's your variant from another universe. Yeah, a very unhealthy variant. <laughs> Bless him, he's only got a few years left in him before the Grim Reaper comes through. What, I was, what was I watching the other day where they referred to people as that as variants? Spider-Man? No Way Home? Is it Spider-Man? Yeah, they're doing that in the Marvel now. That's, that's, everyone's got variants from other universes. It's, the, lo- like it's the Loki series. The Loki. Watching. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I watched that, didn't like it. I did. I thought it was good, the Loki series. Hmm. Peacemaker, that's the one to watch. That's hilarious. I'm not a no, cantankerous old fucker like you, though, Danny. It's John Cena in that, isn't it? Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. He's really funny. 
Yeah. <laughs> you can't see me. Mm. <laughs> oh, breaking news. Kelly's eating. And let me guess, um, Kelly, you're eating some kind of vegetable shit with some kind of shit poured all over it. You must have the most got... basic unimaginative palate I've ever seen on another human being. Yeah, you just I'm eat very healthy, chicken yeah. and just... Yeah. The only person who can hold a candle to you in this respect is Jock. Jock, just, Jock <laughs> diet is essentially pie, gravy, and food. Sandwiches. Like meat. <laughs> you know, reconstituted shit in breadcrumbs. <laughs> just looking at 95... <laughs> 95 Winston's thing there about Aubameyang being left in London. It's interesting as well that he's also training alone and at different times to the first team. It's almost like they really yeah. don't want him to have anything, any contact or nothing to do with the team at all. I think when you, re when you read things like that, then the, what I said earlier in the podcast about the possibility of bridges being mended doesn't look that li likely, does it? No, Not no, when he's that, being left at home. Not when you sort of think uh, he's just no. being turfed out. Until no, get rid of him. Petrol has been pulled over the bridge and Mikel Arteta is getting out the Swan Vestas as we speak. Indeed. About Indeed. the irony of the fact that the problem with um, Young is he kept fucking off to Dubai all the time every time he was... He went over there and got COVID and then that's why he didn't play in the AFCON and now the old team's gone over there and he's not allowed to go. He yeah. could have showed him all the best well, places to go. Don't get me wrong. I think he's properly getting exactly what he deserves. Yeah. And it was part of me that... A lot of people have slated Arteta for it. I actually totally agree with him. If, and it's a big if, if he's not pulling his weight, then fuck him. He's getting exactly what he deserves. I feel, I feel like we've meandered quite you know, far from the point uh, to the extent which I'm not entirely sure what we're talking about now. We were talking uh, about transfers, weren't we? Yes, we were. That means it's working that's perfectly. Danny, this is your your influence, you, your senality. It sort of rubs off on me. See, what you need to do is what Carl does and tell me to shut up. Yeah, but I'm here, I, I, when I host, I'm going to be especially nice to you. That's going to be Good. my thing. Well, every time you're on, you can host because I don't like doing it. I like. I don't mind. I quite like. I quite like doing it. I quite like. It's it, it, it's um. It brings back Therapy the memories from when me and Daniel did it. Yes, the glory days. So um, should we uh, try and get ourselves back on track in terms of what we were talking about? Now, we all very strangely think that we're going to get a, a player in. So the secondary part of that question is, boys and girls, who do you think or whom do you think? Uh, Stan? Leaving it so late now, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw somebody like Jeannie Wijnaldum coming in because it seems that he is um, up for leaving PSG and we need someone in that position. And if that did happen, I'd be quite happy about that. Me too, actually. Me too. Um, to um, add a sort of secondary part to the same question, do you think, Danny, A, who do you think we're going to get? And B, which do you think is more likely? Do you think we'll get a midfielder or a striker or a 75-year-old left-back from Berlin who doesn't have a leg? Um, what is going to be more likely? Uh, and who? I think, yeah, I don't have no idea on names, but I would think that Arteta would look at it from the fact that he's only allowed 14 fit players at any one time and, and 13 of those are allowed to be adults. He would look that we have got Maitland and we have got um, Xhaka and Party in midfield and there he's two. And unless they're going to keep getting sent off, which they, you know, one of them might learn their lesson, he's going to go, the problem with our team isn't in midfield, it's goals. 
and he needs to get someone up front. So if he had to pick one, I think he'd get a striker. And I've got a feeling it is going to be somebody on loan because somebody said in the chat, um, Edu has had 365 days to, to, to get ready for this. Newcastle found a player on the first day of the transfer window and have signed him already. Yeah. That's how you do transfers. You don't wait until someone goes, Edu, Ed, yes, yes. So could you put the barbecue down for a second and come back from your holiday? Do you know it's the transfer window? What, today? Yeah, right. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be back home in two weeks. I'll get something sorted. And then, yeah, then the plane gets delayed. And it's three weeks. And then he comes back. And then I think... Can I, can I get yeah. to it? Can I get to it after I've been out of my jet ski? Yeah. I'll just go, go jet skiing with a boy. Um, oh, I forgot. What was I meant to do? I had it written on the whiteboard somewhere. Oh. Fucking it's uh, four o'clock 31st and he goes oh shit that was it i was meant to buy someone that's the situation yeah so i hold zero fucking hope of uh anything <laughs> holland ish i'm as much as i'd love to have a, a fifa 22 walkout representation of holland it's uh, it's not going to fucking happen. It's going to be someone yes. on loan. Not maybe that, maybe it's going to be Dennis Suarez. We ain't got hope. <laughs> it'll be someone. It'll be someone we don't expect, or it'll be something that pops up in the next three days. We're like, mm. yeah, Christopher Benteke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that brings us pretty much to the end of the questions I had planned. Other than. The only other point, you guys, I'm sure, will all agree that um, if we aren't to sign somewhere in the transfer window, and that, do you think that could be one of the final nails in Mikel Arteta's coffin? That if we um, had a real opportunity where we could sort of push on and strengthen the team, when there's obvious, you know, faults and there's obvious areas that need to be addressed, do you think that will be something that might lead to his demise? Demise is the wrong choice of word there. Obviously, he's not going to spontaneously combust or be murdered. I mean, well, the, uh, I don't know. Or, 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 or isn't he? <laughs> it will bring about the end of his tenure at Arsenal is a much more nice way of putting it. No, because Stan, I think... Stan, I'm sorry. I'm just gonna, they, 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 the money's available, and it does seem to me that they have been trying to, to make contact and attract players... But it just seems that somebody like Steven Gerrard seems to have a bigger pull at the moment than somebody does of, of, of Mikel Arteta. And I remember six months ago on being on various podcasts and we were talking about, have we lost our pull? And I was the only one that was saying, I think our star is fading a little bit. Uh, you know, the reputation that we had as a football team. And everyone was like, oh, you're joking, aren't you? We're Arsenal. We can still attract players. It's showing now that that's not the case. I mean... Vlaovic basically just fucking blanked us. He didn't say a single word. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He just completely dismissed us. It was like we didn't exist to him. We were dead to him. And um, that's a little bit worrying. And then you see a player, you know, and mm. we're all, you look at the, the deal with Bruno G going to Newcastle. But I've always had this feeling that we're too, we see a deal like that as Arsenal, but we won't go in and gazump a deal because we're far too polite to do anything like that. We don't want to get in the way and mess up somebody else's deal. We'll leave that be and look for somebody else. I think we should be a little bit more ruthless than that. It's interesting, that is, because um, especially with Bruno, name I can't pronounce, I'm going to try Guimarães. Um, I'm not a thousand, I'm not 100% convinced that our interest in him was as, you know, intense as it's being made. Incidentally, did you guys see that the Leon 
official account, whether it be five or six hours ago, they tweeted saying there was absolutely no rumor, no truth in the rumors. What about no, us looking at them? Um, us being interested or Newcastle? Newcastle. Oh. Um, it's on their official feed. I looked at it earlier, and that's why I was looking at one of those ones where someone changes their fucking name to Leon, and it's a load of bollocks. But they did, assuming I'm right, tweet that. So to bring it back to Arsenal, I don't really... I don't know. I don't feel we were that interested. It's like Buendia in the summer. Everyone was shitting kittens and having all kinds of you know conniptions about the fact that Villa got him, but... My theory on that is if we really wanted him, um, then with all due respect to Aston Villa and all due respect to Newcastle, if you're a footballer, you're choosing Arsenal above either of those. You just you'd think, are. You'd think, right? Yeah, you would think. I mean, the, uh, what you said, Stan, earlier about Arsenal's star has faded, I agree. We are not the same Arsenal of even five years ago when we had Arsene mm. Wenger in charge and we could attract the likes of Meza Urzel and Sanchez and players like that. But on the flip side to that, we're still Arsenal, we're still central London, we're still a big club. There's still, again, with all due respect to Birmingham and Newcastle, if someone's offering me the choice of where I want to live, it's London before either of those two. So I, I refuse to believe if we went into a full on bidding war against either of those teams that we couldn't have won. And if we really wanted the player, we would do that, or at least you assume. Yeah. You assume that we're not going to be. If, if if the people at the club are saying, oh, let's not bother because Newcastle have made a bid, oh, let's let out of them, then they're a bunch of fucking morons that need to be fired. Well, if that is the number one player they've targeted to make our team better, then you, you fucking go and get him, or you, you at least try. You don't sit back and do nothing. So I've had a little... Sorry, Danny. Go ahead. No, when, so you're, you're very quiet. Um, yeah. Maybe it's my my ear thing. I'm not figured out how to make this louder. Um, yeah, uh, I've a little squirrel has told me the financial details of why he has gone to Newcastle. The amount of money that he is getting paid per week, four times and the amount, salary, isn't it? Huh? They they pay him something like four times what his salary was, right? How much do you th- how much do you think he's on? I don't know what his salary was. No, nor do I. It's been really two hundred k a week, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's about wow. that with a huge non-relegation bonus. Wow. Now, if he'd have come to Arsenal, he probably would have been on one twenty, one thirty. So they're probably paying him double that with a huge bonus if they stay up. And he's Brazilian, and he doesn't give a, a damn about whether he's playing for whoever. It's money. You'd be mad to turn that down. You can understand Newcastle at the moment of having a bit of draw because. He's not going to be the first sort of semi-big name that people want to go there. That, that's going to happen. It's going to happen with more and more frequency. I reckon you've got five years before their Chelsea, Man City sort of knocking on the door of all the big players. But then you're, if you're someone like Bruno G, you're, okay, he's getting four times what his salary was and getting such a big number. But then are you, do you want to go to a Newcastle where you're fighting relegation and nothing Thank is certain? Or, or, or do you want to go to a team that's fighting to get back into Europe? So it all depends it's, on what your priority is. It must be for Bruno G. It, it must be the dough, right? And if that is, if yeah. he is that player, he's the player is going to put financial reward over literally everything else. When you're earning that kind of money, whether you earn 180 or 200, don't really make much difference, do you? You're going to be a millionaire. But if then Sorry, Stan. I, I was just going to say, but then if Newcastle are the only ones that have actually physically put a bid in for him, then he doesn't have a choice, right? It's all well and good saying sure. that he, 
he, sure. you know, Arsenal are the bigger attraction because we're trying to get into Europe. But if we haven't put a concrete bid down on the table, then he doesn't have that choice. Is it, we, we again sort of hark back to my um, what I was saying earlier about I don't think our interest in him is that you know uh, concrete or that um, you know all compose or whatever the word I'm looking for is. It strikes me if we really wanted to go after him, we would. He certainly can't be the only um, name on the list. But also, I think the worst part is for me, it feels like a massive opportunity missed. If he's high on our list and he's going for 35 million, then go fucking have a pop at it. Oh, Leon, that's an exceptional film, that is. It is stunning. How does my audio sound? Does it sound any different? I, I, I turned my one up rather than your one up. I found your bu- up volume button. Do I sound any different or okay? Sound as mellifluous as always. Cheeky <laughs> monkey. Go on, in, carry on. There's an American. There's another version of that film, Leon, called The Professional, and in that version, they kind of hint more of a sexual relationship between Matilda and Leon. That. It's a bit ropey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's something else we're doing in the week um, coming up in this this international break, aren't we, James? We're doing a, a, a podcast and you're coming on. And Remember what we said in the group? Oh, what, the, the Fanny's going to come on and do as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably midfield pivot, uh, pivot with Willock. <laughs> that was the clincher. I mean, they're queuing up across Europe for that, aren't they? <laughs> uh, never know, we might get Willock back on loan now. Loan of a right to fight. Yeah, we're going to hopefully do a, a podcast on just film and TV. The best tweet I saw yesterday was somebody tweeted out, I can't remember who it was, but they said that um, uh, Vlavic was a smokescreen for Isaac and Isaac was a smokescreen for Calvert Lewin. Calvert Lewin's a smokescreen for Jonathan David, who was a smokescreen for Lacazette getting his contract renewed. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> It's painfully accurate, that isn't it? Very much. <laughs> you wouldn't put it past them. Yes. So we've got some people. If you've got any questions, put them in the beginning with a cue. Put it out to the floor. Let's have some questions from the peeps. We've got three already. Um, Thunder says no football hipsters over the break. I didn't know fucking football hipsters ever because Chris can't be fucked. <laughs> That's the well, gist yeah, of it. If you want to hear Chris, a question of it. where is he? I haven't seen him come on podcast and donkey day. He has got the. He might, we're having a bad time at the moment, so he might come back on. But he's not interested in talking about Arsenal while they're doing well because he hates Arteta. Because he hates everything about the last five games is how he feels about Arteta, and he doesn't want to talk about it. So if you want to find him, he is on the French Football Weekly or French Football Now. Or just go and have a look at Chris's Twitter at KC underscore R-U-N-Z. That's his new Twitter. Go there and you find he's talking on the French podcast every week. Is it me or is it KC Run? Sounds like, like some sort diarrhea. of anti-diarrhea medication. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, luckily he won't hear this because he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> I'll put it in the group if you like. <laughs> oh, don't. Can't be horrible to him because then he'll never come back on and I miss him because he's a lovely man and he knows what he's on about. Uh, so if you've got any questions, begin with a queue. We've already got questions from Jimmy Hay. Jimmy Hay has given us two. Liam has given us one. And Craig Barlow has just given us one. And we've got them all saved up. So you've got any more questions? Sounds like a regular know. Friday night to you, doesn't it, man, queuing up to give you one? <laughs> well, I've, I've found religion, so it's after church on the Sunday now. As long as baby Jesus is presiding over the acts. <laughs> no, it's, it's Church of Satan I've joined. Give me God. some credibility. 
Oh, Mark has joined in. Where have you been, Mark? We're um, we're an hour and twenty minutes into the show. Have you got a letter from your mum or uh, yeah, your dog at your homework? Oh, Craig knows has given us another question. Good. So we've got five questions so far. Come on, people, give us some more questions. Have you got anything else you want to milk out of us, James, or is that it? No, I mean, that's all I prepared. I thought I'd keep it short, succinct, to the point. No need to embellish or blather any further. I thought we'd just finish up quite nicely with some listeners' questions. Okie dokie. Right. First of all, um, one for you, James, you've been doing the hosting job from Jimmy H. Um, the question is, how uh, was the summer transfer window a complete success or pure luck? Ooh. I mean, there's obviously going to be an element of luck anything like that because you need sort of like the universe to perfectly align itself in the manner required for you to go exactly after the targets you want and have it all fall into place perfectly such is life but um obviously you've got to take into account that um there's going to be a degree of which they plan to go after those targets they set them out at the beginning of the um summer and they've gone after them and they've got and you can see by the age range and the profile of the players, whether you look at them technically or mentally or personality-wise, they're exactly the same, well, similar kind of people. So you would like to assume that they've actually addressed not only the attributes that are required for a footballer, but the mental ones as well, so they can fit in and they can adapt to the team and they can become successful. So I'm going to put a percentage on it. I think it's 15% luck and 85% good plan in that respect. You any idea, Fem? Um, not Fem. Fem's in the top right-hand corner. I'm going to change that and put uh, put Nick there. Stan, uh, what's your answer to I that question? I think Fem was starting to look into the deepest, darkest elements of my soul. He was up there it for was. so long. There's the question, Stan, if you were... No, I thought it was quite successful, you know. Um, you know, like you said with the Odegaard deal, you know, that originally Man, you know, Real Madrid wanted a lot more than what we paid for him. Um, we we started sort of like trying to pretend to everybody that we were interested in James Madison when we, when we weren't really. Um, again, as well with the right back situation, at one point it looked like we were go- we were going after Emerson Royal, but that was basically just a ruse to get Tottenham interested to buy a rubbish player so that we could go and get Tommy Asu. So I think it was very successful, very successful window. The way yeah. I look at it, there's not one of those players we bought in that I think is bad. No, there's no duds. And usually when you bring in a clutch of six players, you'd expect there to be a dud in there somewhere, right? Yeah. And they, I mean, all six of them have shown more than enough this season to be happy with, I, I, for us to be happy with them. Yeah. Danny, you got any thoughts on that question? <clears throat> no. Sometimes when I look at you in the screen, you look really startled as if like you've got one eye on this and another eye on a close relative or friend that's, you know, someone's sending you pictures of them kidnapped. <laughs> I'm looking at two different screens. That's why. Is that staring in the middle every now and then? Electric fires in the background as well. Yeah, it is. It's a two two point two kilowatt heater. It certainly looks like you've got a very cozy and welcoming abode. It is very nice, and uh, I would I would just, um, move the camera around a bit. By the around one a.m., I imagine it's going to become pretty much uninhabitable. You can see my bedroom in there. I have a red light on in there. They got quite red lights. Yeah, it's like a warning yeah. to the neighbours. I just, I just find the, the colour red very, very soothing. So my ceiling lights near they're all red at the moment. I can change the echo. I all lights not, white. Nothing to do Watch with your this, look. Personality then. All lights white. 
Echo, all lights green. We leave it's our Christmas tree up. We don't take Again, it Again, this is podcast gold, this is, especially <laughs> if people aren't, you know, watching. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Right, next question. Starting with you, Stan. Uh, from Jimmy H32, what would be more... What would be a more useful signing, a second-rate striker or and getting rid of Alba, or a first-rate striker and Alba stays for the rest of his contract, which is 18 months? No, two and a half years, is it? Or 18 o- months? Option one, please. <laughs> please plus one for I'll option take, one. I'll take option one because then uh, once we get through to the summer, you bring someone else in as well, you know? So if the guy's not part of our plans, I don't believe that even if we put him back in the team that he would miraculously find the, the form of a couple of seasons ago. You know, Tanner on the uh, same old Arsenal was used to argue with me and say, it's not it's not Aubameyang, it's the system. He doesn't see the system. And then he started to see how many sitters he was just missing. And I was like, it's not the system. You know, he may not be getting as many chances as we would like, but when the chances do fall, fall to him, he's forgotten where the net is. So, yeah, option one all day, please. Love. Did you answer question that question, again, James? Can you put it up again? I forgot what uh, the um, choices were. I've deleted it from our... We can star them. Who was it from? It was from... Um, 32 or something. It was right. a question where we get we bring in a second-rate striker and uh, a Bamiyang goes... No, Abamyang. Uh, there you go. There That's you go. it. And get rid of him. What would be more successful? Signing a second rate striker and get rid of Oba or first class striker and Oba stays for the rest of his contract? I see. I'm not as um, cut and dry on that one. I think if you're asking me purely from a financial point of view, it's one. If you're asking me purely on our ability to get through to the rest of the season and finish well, it's two. Because if we can get the first choice world class striker that we want now, and the only caveat for doing that is that Aubameyang stays with us for the rest of his contract, I'll have to go for a two, because I think that is the more pressing concern right now. Hmm. Huh, okay. Um... Have you just had a stroke, Danny? Are you all right? <laughs> no, I'm sending I'm DMing myself a pic. That sounds dodgy. A picture of, uh, that sounds dodgy as well. One of your testicles. <laughs> 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 no it's that time uh, right, where you're alone you know you're yeah, feeling a bit fruity and why not send a twitter based picture of your penis to yourself I know I was explaining to my mum today I've got six packages to send back oh, to Amazon explain to your mum why she's got pictures of your penis going to her actually there's loads of pictures of me as a baby at six months old all in black and white laying naked in the bath you see me little winkles so I've got a little thing saying censored and I've put it over the actual photos so no one can see that my willy hasn't changed in 51 years Oh, little Willie, he's dead. Uh, question here from Liam Greyhurst for you, Stan. He called you Nick then. That would have been embarrassing. Would you have taken Arthur, Arthur, for 18 months or be happy the board vetoed it? Do you know the background in that? I'm happy that the board vetoed it. When I heard that it was going to be an, an 18-month with an obligation to buy, I thought we kind of locked in there. What happens after six months if you think, well, this guy's dog shit? That's it. You're, you're, you're done. You're already making plans to, to try and sell him. So, yeah, I, I wasn't happy with an 18-month loan with an obligation to buy, so happy that he's been vetoed. I agree with that. Um, so, nearly called James? Nick, what did you nearly call me? Stan. <laughs> nearly called you Stan. Um, yeah, I agree with Stan 100% on that one. I mean, if what people have said is anything to go by, Arthur is, he's not been great for Juve, he's not been great for Barcelona, and by all things, chances considered, that he wouldn't be great for Arsenal. So 18 months on loan with an obligation to buy for, I think it was 40 million, 
no, no way. They, uh, you'd have had problems with the board if they'd gone along with that. That's a fucking stupid decision if we did that. We didn't want to go full um, Dennis Suarez again. No. I think I'm with Mark Backrid and he says he'd rather sign Arthur Fowler. <laughs> uh, where's he put that? I was, bloody hell, you lot of, oh no, I'd scrolled all the way up and that's why I hadn't seen it. Uh, there you go. Arthur Fowler, little known fact, Robbie Fowler's dad. That's yourselves. <laughs> um, this is why James is, uh, this is my, there you go. That is my current setup. That's dear people. You can see my two Quite screens. Beautiful. Look how symmetrical that I got a tape measure and got that symmetrical on every single leg. And that is why I keep looking from side to side. And that's our countdown video. What's on the um, other screen? In the middle? No, the one that I mean, I assume you're only looking at us on one screen. So what's on the other one? No, both. Oh, oh, I had the view, our YouTube intro video playing on both screens at the same time. Oh, fascinating. I didn't mean in the picture. I meant right now. Oh, what do you want about? As you're looking at your screens right now, yes. there are two screens, correct? Yes. Assuming that the feed for this podcast is only on one of them, what are you looking at on the other? Okay, I have you 100%. Uh, on the left-hand screen, I have um, my own Twitter and all my football websites like Wikipedia, Transfer Market, and all that. Lot. And on the right-hand one, I've got you, you beautiful bastards. Ah. I, I didn't know what you meant. Oh, so, uh, evidently, well, I did not make it clear enough for you. Bloody hell, Cliff has given us some money. $499,000. Good God, thank you. Uh, Are we going to split that three ways, yeah? We certainly are. Um, That is uh, $100,000 for you two and $100,000 for me and each of my cats. Uh, Cliff, Uh, I don't even recognise your name, Cliff. Um, Don't mind the sign. Um, Cliff says, don't mind the signings at all, lads, but what use are great signings if the gaffer doesn't know what the hell to do with them. Hashtag Arteta Edu Kronky out. What do you think to that, James? Can't really disagree, can you? I mean, if you take away the um, element to which they're referring to certain people and look at the statement as a statement in general, then yeah. What is the point of having good signings if the person who's signing doesn't know what the fuck to do with them? That statement, yeah, sure, I agree with that, but... I've never been a big fan of like Arteta out, Edu out, Kroenke out, so-and-so out, this and that out, shake it all about. So Arteta has shown, certainly since the beginning of the season, he's shown that he knows what to do with the players he wants. It's not working out all the time in the manner I assume he would expect it to, but again, such is life. I I just find it very hard to be sort of have that degree of vehemence towards wanting certain elements of the board or the management staff out of the club. It's just, I think that can get, and whilst I wouldn't, you know, want to sort of disagree with anybody else or their you know, right to think what they want, just to me, it's a bit much. Now there's no need for it. Is there? There's no need. To, if you're, that sort of angry towards certain things it just detracts from the joy of football and that should be joy to it I bet you i'm sorry i've you. gone into like elements of philosophizing now as opposed to just talking about football i tend to i tend to use the uh, the percentage grading system or the the scale balancing sort of uh, measuring system when i look at the manager I, i'm not really an in or an out person and um I think James said earlier that he was 50-50 on Mikel Atar, which is where I was when he was announced as our manager. 
he wasn't my first choice, but I wasn't like, oh my God, who? So I was kind of 50-50 on it. And during his management uh, so far, I've, you know, I've, I've got up to like 90%. I'd like him gone 10%. He can still stay. And at the moment, I'm back at 50-50. So yeah, I mean, you know, that's where I am. It's a funny one because perception comes into it with like, I think if Unai Emery had, had been in charge of the last two seasons, he would not be here now. I think um, there aren't many managers that if they'd presided over Arsenal's worst league position in however many years and Arsenal's absence from Europe for the first time in was it 25 years, uh, there's not many managers that would have survived that. Yeah, And I always say there's a perfectly valid argument to be made that Mikhail Arteta shouldn't survive that. I mean, part of me thinks, yeah, I, I, I admire the fact that the club are sticking to their guns and they want they want to, you know, go forward in this way with this man in charge. And they're not letting bumps in the road dictate that. But at the same time, if you're a, if you're a club with genuine aspirations to getting back into Europe where you perceive your club belongs, then the question I've always asked is, do you think that any of our rivals would have waited in the same position as we are? And I don't think they would have. The, the best way I've heard it explained to me, and it was Ryan off of uh, the Arse Brothers and same old Arsenal USA, and he explained it like this. He says, he once you look at it, that Mick, in the eyes of the board and the owners, that Mikel Arteta is the project it starts to make a little bit more sense. And I yeah, think that's, that, a, that's a very good I, word. I, I think actually. that's it. I think that's yeah. how it's being played out. You know, it's obvious that Mikel Arteta is, is being backed and, and has more confidence than Emery had. You know, Emery turned up and I said, what do you need, mate? He said, well, I'd like a left winger. And I said, okay, he woke up in the morning and there was Nicolas Pepe sat on his doorstep. That's not what he asked for. Whereas Mikel Arteta seems to be giving, being given the keys to the kingdom. And I think that, you know, whether we end up in Europe or not, he is the project, and I think that he's still got a little bit more fuel in the tank with the owners. Uh, yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you 100% now. What about you, big fella? <clears throat> Are we answering um, Cliff's question? I think I've just, uh, again, uh, my apologies to Cliff, I assume he's still listening. I just sort of rambled on there and just, you know, shot us off on a different tangent. So, yeah. Um, I don't think it makes any difference if we shout and scream and we want anybody out. We want the owner, the manager, the players, and the club take no notice of us. And why should they? Because we only pay the bills, and without us, they wouldn't have a job. So I, think that's, I don't think that's entirely true. I think there's support or pressure certainly is a factor in managerial decisions. And I think if the Arsenal fans get agitated, angry, and vocal enough, it will affect the board the same way it would anywhere else. Yeah, it's Cliff's come back here. I was 50-52, but he has shown me that he is a net lad's love for him to change my mind. I think we'd all love him to change my mind. And I, yeah, I do I mean, yeah. have a feeling that it's going to end up not working. It's just a matter of how long you can string out this not working. We're going to have the odd brilliant thing like we did that 19 goals in five and Man City and, Man and, and Liverpool games and the Leicester game and the Leeds game and uh, the Villa game and all these other ones. We're going to get some of them but it's not going to be consistent enough for us to ever be brilliant because of the, the personality that Arteta has where he thinks he's bigger than the club. It seems to come that everybody has to to bow to him. And if you don't, well, you can get lost no matter how much it's going to financially hurt the club. I mean, I look always, at the amount of money. Go on. Sorry, I, I always feel with Arteta, he's always sort of operates on the cusp 
of really getting good. And just when you think he's on the on the you know the, the turn in the corner, something wrong goes wrong, and that happens all of the time. You get to this point where you know you think we've really got something here, and it's really going to progress, and we're really going to. And then oh fuck me, then something terrible happens. Like you think that Man City game, even though we lost it, there was so much positivity to be taken out of that. And since that, we've just been dire. And he always seems to get to that point where you're just sort of thinking. That's what he's trying to do. That's what Arsenal can be. We're really going to kick on here. I can really see what he's trying to do. And then it just goes to shit. And they shit the bed. (laughs) He's got to build it all up again. And then it's sort of that vicious circle where it just keeps going and swings and roundabouts. Swings and roundabouts is the right the wrong expression there. It just keeps keeps going back and forth. Yeah, snakes and ladders. Um, Femstar put his picture back up. He's, uh, he's put a thing here. I forgot to mention about the Burnley game. It's the subs and the in-game management that are so bad. It's worrying. Our players were out yeah. on their ass, and he still only used one sub. I mean, why why, why didn't Tavares come on for for Tierney? Why didn't Beerith come on um, and, and play a part when, as someone... a young man, you're going to be hungry to come yeah. on there and do something? It looks like um, the Enketio has, has just been to McDonald's. He, he wasn't hungry at all. Oh, um, incidentally, it was Tim Stillman who said the um, Lacazette had a kebab in the tunnel thing. I remembered that about five minutes ago. Right, let's try and get through some of these questions uh, in the next five minutes. Right, uh, one question each, starting with you, Stan, from uh, Craig Barlow. Can Chris play in midfield? I've never seen him play. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, but he can't be any worse than what we've got at the minute. Wonderful answer. Question for you, James. Is Is Carpenter in or out? It depends. Are we referring to his belly button? I have no idea. Okay, what is he good. alleged to be in and out of? We no idea. Craig Barlow asks, Stan, rate Ben White and is he what you expected? He wasn't what I, was, what I expected because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know that much about him. I like what I see. He seems to be working nice next to Gabriel. They both have ways about their game which seem to complement each other. So I'm interested in seeing a lot more of him and seeing um, if it was worth the money that we paid for him. Good question. Good answer. Right. For you, James, from formerly knows, uh, this is the edited version. Um, he says, have we looked at Nico Williams from Bill Bow? He fits our profile. Isn't Nico Williams a Liverpool player? Or am I thinking of somebody else? Originally, um, Norse knows did say it was Inaki Williams. Is that the one at Bill Bow? I have no Will idea. I, I, I thought Nico Williams was a Liverpool player. Either way, I don't know a Nico Williams from Bilbao, and I don't know if we've looked at him. I don't know if he fits our profile, so my answer to that question can be pretty much useless. Uh, okay, well, the answer is there is a Nico Williams at a flick of about, and there is an Inaki Williams. The Inaki is 27 and plays all across the midfield and is a forward, and has got five goals in 20 games this season, and Nico Williams is there. Is, is there a Nico Williams at Liverpool? Or am I just imagining that? person might be on loan there. Uh, they're only 19 years old and not played any games. So I'm going to go and do a little wiki on this and see who this comes up with. Nico, William, Nico Williams is, no, Spanish? Um, yeah, Flick of about 23 games and is a winger, 5 foot 11, Spain under 21 international. Um, so I think the yeah. answer to that is we have no idea. Sorry, um, is that formerly Noza? I can't yeah. read that from here without the glasses on. My apologies for my inability to answer your question, even remotely well. 
I'm going to go and have a quick look and see if Nort. Ah, here we go. Noza has followed this up with both our Nico is Anaki's little brother. There you go. Oh. Um, and Ray Anderson says Nico Williams is a Liverpool player. So I'm not the only one. Now there must be two Nico Williamses then, because this one hasn't been the other one hasn't been there. So uh, oh, Alex also says younger brother. Uh, right, go back to the questions. Diddly diddly bong. One for you, James from Sai. Thanks for the uh, prime subscription, Sai. Very kind of you, sir. Man United or Newcastle or Arsenal? Who will win the league first? You can answer this as well, Stan. This is clever. I like it. Oh, that's that's a, that's a tough one. Hart says Arsenal. Head well, says. I think Arsenal and Man U will have to jump on Newcastle because they'll be trying to get out of the um, the Championship to get back into the Premier League. So yeah. they'll have a head start on them. I think if they get the kind of investment that they're probably going to get, then there's a good shout that it could be them. But, you know, Arsenal and Man United have got the history of winning it. So you would assume either of those. So if I'm taking Newcastle out of the equation, then I have to pick between Arsenal and Man United. I'm just going to pick Arsenal irrespective of what I actually think. I'm just going to say Arsenal because I don't want to say the other one. Yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think it's going to be Arsenal because I know it would probably be the other one, but I'm not going to ever admit to that. Right. Next question for you, Stan, is from Chris Jones. Should we have Agent Erdegaard ring up Haaland? Yes, please. We should be ringing Good. him up, sending him emails and writing him letters. <laughs> Good. Uh, question for you, James, from Jimmy. Is the fact that we are clearing house being put forward by Stan as he could be ready to sell so making the club finances look better overall making the success of the club or in his eyes so clearing the books of all the players that are going to make the finances look terrible because you're not using them but they cost a fortune i think as long as he is operating a football club that makes itself a profit or as as well run as arsenal i don't think he's going anywhere i think you'd have to um you'd have to drag him out of place He's not got previous for doing that. I think when he gets his talents into a sports franchise, then he's there and he's there for the duration. So I can't see that happening. It's an interesting question, though. I mean, makes sense. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If you look at it, then clearing the books, making it a more financially viable purchase for someone who's interested, then, yeah, I mean, possibly, but who's going to buy it? That um, uh, Spotify guy? He doesn't have anywhere near Daniel the Cronky uh, Sports Entertainment. Nah. I mean, no. I'm biggest fan of them, but I don't think they're go- I, they ain't going anywhere. Not in the foreseeable, anyway. Good. I think I think the only chance, the only chance that that there they could be a, a sell happening is if they is if Cronky's uh, really pissed off about that 900 large that he's got to shell out over in America for the Rams thing, 900 million. No, he's got <laughs> large, he's large, got, large, large, large. <laughs> he's got to stump that up, right? But, um, and who knows? Is there a scenario where Mikel Arteta has got on that plane to Denver and he's walked into the boardroom and Stan's looked up and gone, I've decided to sell. I just wanted you to know. <laughs> I mean, I just don't, I just don't see it happening quite yet. I've always felt that one of the main reasons that the Cronkies <laughs> bought Arsenal in the first place yeah, it's nice for them to have a football club, but I think that the real reason was to have a nice piece of real estate in central London as part of their portfolio. Yeah, I mean, that's probably got a lot of truth to it. It's like Ronald selling all this, but something about McDonald's then. Uh, Mark um, 
Backridden says that's like Ronald selling all of his burgers and nuggets before selling McDonald's. <laughs> now that's the kind of analogy I'd have come up with, Mark. Fantastic. Right. Uh, I think Stan's probably going to say to Arteta, Yeehaw, good boy, get your boots on your plane. <laughs> Question for you, James, from Phil Macar. Are the board blinded by Arteta's time with Pep and think he is there? He is the heir to the Pep throne. See, that's an interesting point because mm. you would assume there's going to be a degree of truth to that. Certainly, if Arteta wasn't the, you know, the uh, next Pep Guardiola in the making, then would he have lasted this long? Given that some of the things that have happened, probably not. Well, maybe not. Who knows? But at the same time, if they've got that much, you know, faith in him becoming that, then yeah, you can see why they're sticking sticking to their guns because. If he is, and he is, he does turn out to be that, then they'll have been, you know, vindicated in doing so. Okay. Question for you, Stan, from uh, Tulby Fool, who I think is in Finland. I know it's somewhere like that. Uh, says, is Pepe going to have any significant role anymore? The guy can shoot, and right now we are not scoring enough, or does Arteta think he is so bad letting him play would actually hurt the resale value? Well, at the African Cup of Nations, he scored, uh, I think, two goals, and they're, uh, they're doing pretty good. I think they got knocked out by Egypt today, didn't they? Did they? Oh, yeah, Egypt won on penalties. I won't show yeah. who they were playing. So he'll be back soon, and it's going to be interesting to see where his place is in the, in the squad. Funny one, Nicolas Pepe. He just never really looked like he's been the flavour of the month for any of the managers that we've had since he's come in. To be fair, yeah. so I, I don't know where the future. I don't know where the future lies for Nicolas Pepe, but I don't think it's at Arsenal. Again, yeah, what I, we said. I agree. You know, we said earlier about Mikel Arteta kind of always feeling like he's only just started being the Arsenal manager. I keep thinking like that about Pepe. I keep thinking that he's he's not been with us long and he's still settling in. But it's his third season now. I think, um, for want of a better analogy, he's got a touch of the Jovinos to him. Yes. As much as I don't actually think Jovino was a bad player. I just think if you take all the elements into consideration, time, um, the system, the player, it's just not right for him here. I think if you take Nicolas Pepe and you put him into a system that suits him, which I don't think Arsenal does, then you're going to look at a player who's worth 72 million. But Arsenal, it's just not... It's not the right environment. It's not the right team. It's not the right style of play. It just doesn't suit him. It's like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, and it's just never really worked. It all depends on how big your hammer is. Uh, just looking at the Ivory Coast game, I didn't know that Zaha and Pepe both play for the same international team. Terrible. Ivory no. Coast. Yeah. Um, just looked here today. Uh, Egypt beat Ivory Coast 5-4 on penalties after a 0-0 game. Guess who got managed match with a rating of 8.4? And scored their first penalty. Huh? Oh, no. Nope. To Egypt? No, for the Ivory Coast. He got man of the match. And and an 8.4 man of the match rating. And uh, we were just talking about him. Zaha or Pepe? Pepe. Really? (laughs) I do Uh, actually think... In the remainder of the season, he's got he's got the potential to be a useful player for us. Because say what you want about him, he's he's got a chaos element to him, hasn't he? You never know what he's going to do, and he's got the ability to finish. He's got the ability to score goals. 
He's one of those players where he would do, you're watching the game and you're looking at him and you're thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, do something. He, this guy's a waste of space. Just before you finish your sentence, he's involved in something that will invariably could lead to a goal. Just out of nowhere, out of nothing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I think sometimes you need a little bit of that on the pitch. True. Okay, 20 right. minutes to go and you need a goal. He's there, He's probably one of the better, well, he is definitely one of the better options we've got to bring on the pitch. Yep. I'd, I'd, I'd argue he's a much better option than Enketia. Yep, so would I. Right. Um, Mark asks this for you, Stan. If we fail to make any signings, who would you recall for from our loans? Good God, we've got 22 players out on loan. This could be a very short or long answer. All of them, none of them, or some of them? <laughs> well, I've, I kind of hinted a little bit earlier. The one player that I think that I would bring back into the fold and work, try to work a bit harder with would be Lucas Torreira. I, think that's I, I, I know that I know that there are other circumstances with family not being happy, but for all the ones that we have out on loan, that's the one that I feel is the one that kind of got away a little bit. Yeah, he. I, I, I agree. He's the only one that I would bring back as well that I think could actually do anything. And maybe Saliba as well, but it looks like he's do is he's just like pouring dickhead fuel into a prick engine. <laughs> right, as we're talking about this, our very own um, Femster has come up with this question, James. If you add Saliba, Torreya and Guendouzi to this squad, just on playing ability of this season, how much better mm. or worse would we be? Here we go, back to the fuel and the, the prick engine. <laughs> if you add the first two, I think we'd be a lot better. I mean, albeit Saliba's very much untested in the Premier League, he certainly is a player of a lot of potential. And then in terms of covering in central defence, being an option, yeah. I think he'd be... He, 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 is he an upgrade on Rob Holding? Currently, difficult to say. Potentially, certainly. Torreira is certainly a better footballer than um, Mohamed Nene. He's certainly a good option for our midfield. And I reckon... I actually really think that Torreira and Pae would be a really good partnership. If Torreira was happy and he wanted to play, it'd be a really good partnership. But Genduzi, I think it again, it'd just be like setting off a firecracker in a china shop. It would do more devastation than good. He's just he's a talented player, no doubt, but he's a fucking prick. And there's no point in having one of them in the kids. He's just gonna upset everyone. And I think if you brought him back now, that's really gonna sort of Mikel Arteta would lose a little face bringing him back now. You can't really say, hey, guy, you, you massive bell end, can you come back and save our season for us? Nah. In mm-hmm. fairness, you really, Genduti is one of those players where you really need to get everyone together, have them pool their money and their resources and construct some sort of craft capable of firing him into the fucking sun. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Stan? What do you think? I'd agree with everything that man just said there. Excellent. Everything, basically. On. There is nothing to add to that. Okay, right. That was... Uh, cheers, Femi. Uh, Femi will be back on soon. He's a busy, busy man. Jimmy H. Oh, dear. What happens first? We signed a different striker. Second, we won the league. Third, DT gets out of prison. <laughs> Shouldn't laugh at that situation. No. It's a horrible situation. But we're going to... It's a question from the listeners, not ourselves. So, James, carefully. <laughs> What's the answer? <laughs> What do I think? What happens first? We sign a yeah. decent striker, we win the league, or whatever his name is gets out of prison. So basically, in three years or whatever he got sentenced, 
are we going to get a decent striker? We ain't going to win the league in three years. Well, I think we'll get a decent striker within three years. So by the time he comes out of the slammer, I think we'll have a decent striker or at the very least will have had one. Stan? Again, I agree with the gentleman directly next to me, but I would also add by time the, uh, that on the last question, by time the gentleman is finished with his incarceration after the three years, I reckon we should all move, change our addresses and you won't know where any of us are. Fair enough. Right, I think that's all the questions done. Uh, Did I just yes. see that Chris Carpenter had entered the chat, or is that just someone predicting his entry on account of the fact that Ganduzi has been Noza. Noza has a, a hate, love-hate affair with Chris, and every time um, every time Noza says anything about Chris, it usually ends the, he ends the show with uh, hashtag Carpenter out. Because I once said it in a German accent, Carpenter out! And people remember it. Those were certainly the halcyon days, weren't they? They were the glory days. Dan is busy. He's about to breastfeed his new laptop. <laughs> I just want to get into it. <laughs> and it's not an apple because he's not an apple nonce. That's a lovely thing to see. Uh, you're talking to someone who is a raging, as you put it, apple nonce. Yeah, yeah, I know. There's poor people on one pound a day, so you can go, I don't know what it does. Anyway, well, you're in charge. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, so... Uh... Are we going to end the show uh, with the um, customary slash obligatory nod to our peers? In which case, would you like to go first, Dan? You know, do a tip of the hat. Mine's going to go. I'm very easily pleased here. Mine's going to go to this man, Cliff, because Cliff got some dirty dollary doos, stuck them down our pants, and made us dance like little monkeys. So there you go, Cliff. Thank you very much. That will go towards the 270 quid that I just spent on this new monitor. 262? I don't know what. I'm going to pay for it myself because AB doesn't have any money. But I'm, I'm, I'm a billionaire. Non-profit so organisation. Yeah, we're, uh, we're tax dodgers as well. It's all done on an offshore account. You're the Jimmy Carr of football podcasts. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my shout-out. Cheers, Cliff. I'd like Dan, to give you my yeah, I'd like to give a shout out to Ray from the Arsenal Fan Circle. It's in the third season now. If there's anyone that's listening that's kind of in the North America region and you're looking for some Arsenal stuff, it's every Thursday evening and it's at uh, 5.40 PST time, which is my time here in Vancouver. So I'd like to give a shout out to Ray and all of the good things that him um, and the guys are doing over there on the Arsenal Fan Circle. And Lovely. if you want to... Go and find it. I've just gone and dug it up. There you go. There is their YouTube URL of the Arsenal Fan Circle. And it was just his birthday. And he got lots of it's nice birthday things. on Sunday, yeah. Ray's oh. birthday was on Sunday. Happy birthday, Ray. He's one of the uh, good ones. Yeah, I'm going to adopt the uh, misanthropic stance and give my shout-out to no one. Because I can't think of anyone. <laughs> you, horrible, you horrible beast. I, I, all right. If I'm going to give one, I'm going to give one to... All of the people, yourselves included here, or should I say ourselves now, that take the time out of their days to offer up free content. And there's so much of it around in an Arsenal respect at the moment, whether it be Ars blog, whether it be the Arsenal vision, whether it be us, got, us lot. And to anyone that's making the effort to give free content to people, then my shout out of the day goes to them. My tip of the hat. Free? We don't get paid for this. Huh? Danny does. We just can't come on. And you know, line his pockets. <laughs> yeah, I'll spend it all on bloody unicorns. You can see it on the sofa behind me. Where's my um, 
here's my thing here if i zoom oh, in God, don't move your monitors that that's a that's a that's a unicorn hand warmer with another little unicorn next to it a unicorn hand warmer yeah it's about the size of a rucksack you put your hands in its back I, I gathered the concept of a hand warmer that it would be used to warm hands, but why on earth do you have a unicorn hand warmer? People buy them for me. Do you speak to them at night? Uh, no, because they'll come and get me. I've shown you the video, haven't I? My one where I'm out in the park walking my little electronic yeah. unicorn. Yeah. That, was a, that was a thing of beauty. I should dig that up from somewhere. Um, oh, Cliff is in Miami. Oh, you lucky swine. I'd love to live in Miami. That's where, um, where Miami John lived before he moved to Chicago, and that's where Billy Connolly lives. And I just listened to Billy Connolly's book, and it's fantastic. So I there guess go, all remains now is to sort of close, close proceedings and say a big, you know, a Burkamp Wonderland family thank you to not only everybody that's watched, everybody that's listened, and more importantly to everybody that's contributed. So thank you very much, you beautiful bastards, for all your questions. Thank you for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed it. On that note, I'm going to bid you all a fun farewell. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>